welcome fox try to get a foxhole the scene season one episode two it's been a couple of weeks since our last episode with the fantastic danette lampson uh, a lot of good uh people tuned into that it's appreciative of all the uh i don't know what do they call them not views or listens or whatever not that i care about numbers or anything like that of course we want people to uh listen and provide feedback f-t-i-n-f-x at gmail.com you know say hello give me some suggestions or even better if you want to come on the show obviously got to get a plug for the other podcast which we're wrapping up season one uh the actual fox trying in a foxhole next episode is going to be great really enjoyed the previous one with uh, alec ford looking forward to having him back Anyhow, with the scene, really looking forward to some of the guests that we have booked. I know I keep saying that on the other podcasts. Hey, folks, we're in a pandemic. It's really hard to actually get with people one-on-one. Plus, you know, got own personal things. After all, we do this uh, podcast kind of on our own. Just in year one, I guess, paddling upstream to get some consistency and continuity and style and all those other good things that go along with it. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So anyhow, we definitely have some fantastic guests booked. Today, we're going to like look into the world of glass blowing, which obviously if you live in Eugene or you're in the West Coast and you're involved in the counterculture, you know that's kind of a big deal got a wonderful opportunity to have a one-on-one with a local glass blower here good friend you know obviously as many of the people that appear on my podcast are good friends of mine really fortunate to know a lot of talented folks out there anyhow today's guest is going to be jeff green of jeff green glass it was a fantastic couple of segments we had a few nights ago over some good fruity beers watching the ducks and the trojans in the last laker preseason game sports thing is never too far so anyhow we are going to take a take a half second here and i'm going to present you my conversation with jeff green of jeff green glass so i am on location today with a really good friend of mine who i've known for many 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 years and uh i don't know Countless types of uh, life situations, we should say. Anyhow, I've, I've come over to talk to him to learn about his craft as far as blowing glass. This is a, a warm fox trotting in a foxhole. Welcome to Jeff Green of Jeff Green Glass. Uh, I've known, like I said, I've known Jeff for a long time. But I guess the first question I would like to ask you is this. So years ago, the last time I saw you before you uh, left Eugene, you were building guitars. I want to know how you went from building guitars into built to blowing glass. All right. So, truth be told, I sold all my guitar equipment to get fucked up. And it's a lot of money to buy all that equipment again. So, I never got back into it. But lucky for me... There was a glass apprenticeship in Berkeley, California, where I could blow glass and learn for free. 
the trade is that they take all your glass you make, they sell it, that's how they pay for the uh, teaching and to keep the place going, but you learn all the new tricks and all the new skills for free. Wow. So, it's a nice... Um is it like kind of a co-op sort of thing? Or? It was. It was actually, you know, you know, one of those. It was in a building shared with a couple other, you know, like a dance studio at one side and a kind of a community, you know, where they had community arts. People could uh, come in and do other things for free or, basically, you know, very low prices to do things to get you out of the house and, you know, doing artistic stuff that uh, was good for the community, you know. Where, you know, a lot of this art, mo any kind of art, no matter what medium, is like, it's kind of dwindling. You know what I mean? With, uh, you know, Amazon and people being able to order stuff for cheap and stuff. You're not going to, you don't see craftsman furniture in people's houses you go to. You don't see craftsman rugs or craftsman blankets. It's all shit bought at Target or bought at wherever they fucking bought it. But it's not handmade. Like maybe the two generations before us, our grandparents, you remember maybe going, there was some kind of crocheted something or, uh, you know, something in the house that they could tell you their friend or themselves made. You're saying in general, like the decline of the individual artist. Yeah. It, it, you know, it goes by every year with technology getting bigger and, uh, you know, just with people putting energy into other things. Maybe people that used to be artists or making stuff with their hands are now, you know, doing tech stuff because that's what, you know, can produce more. That pays. And pays, you know, but, uh, you know, so I'm happy to be a part of something that I can make with my hands that at least uh, people can enjoy and say it was made by someone and, uh, you know. So let's elaborate on that thing. So tell us about your current business and why you got involved in the craft of, of making glass. Well, honestly, for me, it's strange. A lot of the glass blowers they get into it because they smoke a lot and they collect pieces and then they decide, well, I want to take it to the next level and I want to make these pieces. Personally, me, I've always had very cheap pipes, you know, or uh, cheap, you know, glass. I don't. It's breakable. I never wanted something too expensive. Um, but, uh, I got into it cause I, I knew it was cool. I knew the actual, not even what you're creating, but the actual act of blowing glass is a very enjoyable thing. You know, the phenomena of seeing the flame, no human can say they can't look at a flame and like get some kind of energy from it. It's like caveman and fire. It's like in our soul. So plus being able to melt something. It was very fun, and uh, it was, like I said, it was free when I started. So who else is going to teach you any cool art for free? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Okay, I, I, I like that. Um, I guess one of the things that, 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 that fascinates me, and especially when you came back to town and we started hanging out a bit again, and, and then we've talked recently, I appreciate you passing on that video for me to uh, get a little more yeah. insight, a lot of cool stuff there. You know, in that video, sort of, you know, the local connection, you know, with Snodgrass mm -hmm. and, you know, JBD. You know and it. Some right. of the other. Jason uh, Lee, let's drop a name. Right, drop a name and stuff. You know, the, the wonderful uh, artisans in this town that, that are, you know, are making some wonderful art. So I guess 
my next question would be to you in this regard. What is your specialty and what is it about your work that makes it stands out from the others, you know, in town and maybe in right. the West Coast? I've thought about this a lot as an artist, you know. Um, my specialty would be the Sherlock. I think part of it goes back to, honestly, my dad smoked the pipe, the wooden, you know, the tobacco. We used to have in our old home, in the living room, an atrium that went out from the living room and we spent most of our time there and had a giant stained glass window that said smoking room with a pipe with the smoke, all stained glass. And the plants were behind it with the sunlight going through. My dad would pop me up and down on his knee and smoke out of his Sherlock wooden pipe, you know? And it's just the classic shape. Um, so that would be my, my most, you know, favorite to make, I guess, or most desired piece. I think what makes my stuff stand out, there's got to be thousands of guys making Sherlock's. Oh, no doubt. What makes mine stand out, of course, someone just saying I'm going to say the chips because most of my pieces will have, are not made up of one or two or three or whatever pieces of glass, but made up of 200 little pieces, all little chips, kind of looking like textile or, um, you know, just kind of a... Uh, like a like a some look like like a flannel shirt, but all different chips, all welded to make one piece. Uh, but uh, aside from the chips making an original, I think for me it's because of I have a lot of uh, background crafting. I've been crafting since I was like 13. I used to make trash art with my parents' trash. Well, was yeah. When I was uh, 15, I was carving super nice wooden pieces out of my parents' garage. And, uh, I mean, I had a wooden lathe that I would turn into like three or four nice, gorgeous, you know, wooden like balls with the mouthpiece. And I would have these little shell bowls packed, you know, so you could pack your wheat into the shell and remove it and re get new shells. I mean, I would dangle like uh, feathers from my dad's. Um, fly tying set and you know with sinew I mean making some dope shit at 15 and then I went from that I was doing uh, you heard of green sweeps I was doing brooms uh, for a couple years I did a Chico drums for about six months and then the guitars for almost a decade and then to glass so I think it gives me an advantage because I understand tools really well from other so I'm able to like use tools from other crafts in my you know, to make my job easier. Um, and I'm, you know, just, I think uh, I have, I think you, doing different mediums in art gives you a better perspective of whatever art medium you are doing at that time. Gives you a broader horizon, you know. So uh, I think that really, I don't think people know, people won't know that when they buy the piece. I know it and I know that's why it makes it what it is, really. Oh, wow, that's cool. So it's funny because and doing my research as far as trying to figure out what kind of things to ask you and stuff, one of the quotes I came across was, what is it, that glassblowing is a cruel, unforgiving bitch goddess. <laughs> no going in that it takes a lot of work and cash before you're going to make anything that doesn't suck. You're going to burn the ever-living bejesus out of yourself several times. Is that kind of a true, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I mean, I will say I lost money the first three years. I'd say the other five I broke even. So that's eight years of never making really like, you know, 
money. And then maybe a couple of making enough to, like, you know, move out of the house and, like, you know, pay the bills. And now, finally, at the stage of, like, I'm actually able to blow when I want and blow what I want. So, it's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, it, so, going back to just uh, your work in particular... Do you have like a, a particular technique or a process you can tell tell us about? Sure. Um, let's see. Hmm. Where would I start? Um, oh, by the way, great beverages. Yeah, thank <laughs> this you. This is a host. Great fruity, fruity right. beers. Delicious. Get on it, people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the chips are made with flat cane. If you all know about glass blowing, uh, flat cane you make in a press with glass rods that are about pencil thick. And you pick out your pattern of those, you know, pencil thick rods and you smash it between big chunks of clear and melt it until you have like a, about a waffle, egg waffle size thing of glass that's about four times thick as an egg waffle. You pull that down in these long flat ribbons and then re-pull those so you have these little skinny ones you could chip up or you can leave them thick and you can adorn the piece with them and uh, also you know really new is the faceting I don't know if people are watching listen to this video but buying some of the newer glass you've seen in the last couple of years fastening has come really popular with the glass using the same tools that people facet the uh, diamonds and emeralds with but using it for glass to give it you know, a lot more cuts and letting the light bounce, you know. So a lot of the pieces will look like they have diamonds cut on it, you know. It's just the glass and it's pretty cool, you know. Adds a lot of extra um, dimension to the pipe. Um, okay. Well, I'm, just, I'm trying to wrap my brain around that. Because, you know, I've seen some of the work. And by the way, folks, check out... Uh, Jeff's Instagram uh, page for you know some visualization of some of the wonderful things that he's doing. Yeah, thank you. Oh, uh, and and your in your Instagram addresses. Jeff Green Glass. Jeff Green Glass Instagram folks. <laughs> you know, one of the things they brought up in, in that uh, video that you lent me was uh, another guy's brought up that he felt like that when he got involved with um, the art of making pipes and you know other wonderful pieces of art that there was such a stigma attached because people you know think of glass oh, pipe yeah. they think of you know crock pipe sure sure um do you find that um you have to deal with that sort of you know like oh yeah you're making uh, these yes and no i'd say one side of it completely no anymore because weed's pretty much legal in like most of the states you know, that I've been to, and, uh, a little bit. and, like, as anyone knows, there's pipes that are worth more than nice cars. I mean, it gets bonkers. So, obviously, people willing to spend that much money on a nice piece, the stigma is not there. Where I notice it is the same people that thought weed was bad back in the day still think weed's bad now. Those are the same people that think pipes are fucking meant for crack. You know, you're not going to change their mind. Unless they start smoking weed. It's up to them. Okay, so then I guess when you're dealing with, with, with people, 
because of the fact that they smoke weed, tobacco, yeah. whatever yeah. it is that yeah. they're smoking. Yeah. Because of that fact, you don't have to necessarily explain it to, you don't have a hard time explaining it to people as a person. No, no, no. I mean, it's crazy. The people that are buying these pieces, millions of people, they know more than I do. I mean, they're like on it, you know? It's like anything. They, they're, you know, they collect or they, uh, you know, and they research and they're just, it's, it's like, it's, it's a true art now. It's considered like, you. I go to galleries where people are selling glass and it's like, like it would have been, you know, a long time ago with, with maybe painted art where it's, uh, you know, people are talking and, and admiring and, you know, um, and like I said, I mean, if someone's going to back up what they want with spending a lot of money on a piece, that means they really appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, you know, like I said, I blow glass now 14 years. I still don't own a piece. Over 50 bucks. I'm sorry. Well, I've been given a couple. Right. But I that's mean, just that's me. So. Exactly. It's just me. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'd rather, you know, I'll like, you know, roll a doobie or something. But... Um, I like, you know, I understand the art and collecting it. Um, people spend millions on a painting. What can you do but hang it on the wall? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. I've, I've, I've often thought that, um, you know, with the various people we've gotten to know over the years and you go into their house, you know, they've got this $600 mm-hmm. piece of glass, which right. is just, it's beautiful, right, but right. it's like, you're you're too afraid to actually sure, use sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. Right, right. You know, yeah, that's the same way. Yeah, it's collecting you know? dust mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. See, that's the thing. It's not that I I don't want to spend that because you know I that's part of the enjoyment for me is being able to bang up the piece. You know what I mean? Throw it in the pocket. Throw it in the car. You know what I mean? Be tough with it. Maybe go to a show. Lose it. Who knows? You know, not the whole you know preparation of is it clean? Is it safe? To me, that just it takes away from me of the enjoyment of the piece because I got to worry about the piece itself. You know what I mean? I won't worry about what I'm putting in the piece and smoking no, more than the no, piece. No, no. <laughs> I was just I was just laughing at a mutual friend of ours when was over here a few weeks ago or back actually a month ago. Oh yes. And I was talking about you know, this piece that I've had since I've known him when he lived here and he hasn't lived here since what 2003 or 2004. Mm. He was cracking up that I still had it. Wow. And the thing about it is, is that I've never really cared that much about, you know, oh my God, it's sacred or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, obviously it was well made and I haven't busted it. Give it my track record, but it's just one of those things. And hearing you tell me that puts a smile on my face. Oh, yeah. That's the whole point. It's probably why I haven't yeah, broken right, it. Right, right, never, right, you know, right, right. You know, had this hardcore attachment sure, to sure. it. You know, I've lost it and it, it mm-hmm. reappears, you know, maybe six yeah. months later or something like that. Well, all right, then. That was a wonderful first segment. Let's take a little break, and we'll come back and chat a little bit more. Far out. Wonderful stuff with Jeff Green. As always, if you have any feedback, suggestions, or actually want to come on Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, the scene, F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. like my, not like my, like the, the podcast Facebook page, which is Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, as far as finding out when new episodes are dropping. What, CB posts another useless uh, 
Anyway, enough of the sense of humor. We'll take a break, and we'll come back with the next segment with Jeff here momentarily. Trying to get a foxhole, the scene, season one, episode two. Okay, we're going to continue our discussion with Jeff Green of Jeff Green Glass. And by the way, if you want to check out his work, go to his Instagram page, which is Jeff Green Glass. Anyhow, back to my conversation with Jeff. And we're on again. So, welcome back to Fox Trotting in the Foxhole, The Scene, Season 1, Episode 2 with Jeff Green, Jeff Green Glass. Having a wonderful time. He's taking me on this wonderful tour of these magnificent beers. Mm -hmm. well, where are we? these beers coming from? These are actually Portland-based. Okay. This is, uh, if I can think of their name, Great Notion. Great Notion. Hey, folks, this is some really good stuff. It, it definitely puts, as he said, Thanksgiving and Christmas in a glass. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. So, to, to pick up our conversation again, and that's just that you're thinking about, um, you know, how long did it take you to get proficient at, at, at glass blowing? What, uh, so, the proficient, what's that word meaning again? Proficient, like, um, how long did it take you to actually become good at this? It depends on what you consider good. Okay, well, let's hear your definition of what you would consider good at this point. I mean, personally, I I consider this just this last year. Really? Yeah, because if you all know and look it up, if you're following this podcast and listening to me, you look up Dale Somers Glass because I owe him everything. I apprenticed with him. For between eight and ten years, you lose track. Eight and ten years? Yeah, okay. this guy was there That's every day. I seen him every day. He's showing me what to do, helping me out, showing me the ways of Jason Lee, showing me the ways of Marcel, showing me the ways of Chris Carson, showing me the ways of, you know, just basically organ glass, the way you make pipes. Um, and... One thing about apprenticeship is you never really feel like you're doing your own stees or anything until you finally leave. So once I left and then I'm blowing glass on my own in a way, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's when you really kind of, I guess you harness like the true, your true expression of who you are through your glass. Because, you know, you're no longer like having someone kind of overview it. Okay. You know? So then, you know, you're obviously describing, you know, an eight to ten year journey. Yeah. So, I guess, at what point in that journey do you feel you get to a point where you don't have to have somebody look over your shoulder? Or it just depends. I mean, it just depends. Most people aren't lucky like me. They don't have someone. Indeed. It's an honor and a blessing to have someone do that for you. 
Most people never get that opportunity in their life, let alone for that long, to have someone, you know. My gramps used to say it was like he was like he was like my glass dad. You know what I mean? Like someone to just like help nurture you in what you do and you know slowly but surely make it better. So I don't know. I just uh, when you leave is when your gut tells you you're supposed to leave. <laughs> you know, for me it was watching Dale get married to his wife and have two children. And it was time for me to bounce. You know. I guess that's an interesting point of the portrait, but I could definitely see that. Oh, cool. Um, I don't know. I guess let's, let's go with, a, with, 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 with take a, a little side turn here. Now we, we've been talking about you know this being an art. I guess I'm kind of curious about it because I've seen you know some of your pieces on your Instagram page, Jeff Green Glass, folks. Um, how elaborate would you say, you know? I mean, I mean, maybe if it's already, like, laid this out, but maybe I want, for my own benefit and everybody out there, like, how elaborate would you say your pieces get? Again, um, it's on the eye of the holder. I mean, okay. you know... True, true, true. Um, I guess I would see the way I describe it, I have a weird way. I call it consider glass, like, internal and external work. Meaning, internal work would be what they're doing within the actual vessel of the glass. So you have a silhouette of a Sherlock, a spoon, a bubble, or whatever. What did you do within the silhouette, the inside? Did you do chips? Did you do reversals? Did you draw? And external work would be the stuff that you attach to the silhouette to make it look cool. Ribbons, you know, faceted gems, you get me? And stuff you build on the outside. So internally, like the internal work, I say my stuff's pretty fucking extreme because no one else, not many people are going to say, yeah, that one vessel is made out of 200 chips or 200 pieces of glass. They're going to say, yeah, there's, that's an eight-piece bubbler and brag about it, you know, not 200. Externally, I can go far beyond what I'm doing and hopefully will next year too, meaning I'm going to make a lot more attachments and stuff hanging off, horns, wings, you know, things that people aren't used to in glass because that's what it does. You know, it can melt and form. But, uh, you know, so I'd like to do that and, uh, you know, make the stuff a lot more, um, what was the word you use? Proficient? <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot more proficient. Oh, man, cool. Um, you know, so let me ask you this. You brought this up uh, previously where you kind of hit about it. Um, and we obviously know, in the, you know, this being 2020 in the year of fun times in the circus, but, you know, going back to, you know, 2010 and, you know, what's happened in this last decade, you know, with Colorado first and then obviously all of the states in the inner mountain west legalizing marijuana. Mm. What has that done for you, per se? I know it's done uh, a lot, but let's, you know, get, get us. Get yeah. Okay. It's raised the value for pieces tremendously. So it has done that. I wouldn't say it raised the, it, I would say it, I think, this is my perspective, it's maybe double the value of the same piece that was cheaper before, but what it really has done is brought in the horizon for people to make fancier and push the limits. You know what I mean? So yeah. instead of the same glass blower making spoons for like five years, that same glass blower is now trying to make one piece in a week, over a week and trying to get artistically crazy with it, and it can actually sell that piece for the same value maybe 
those hundred spoons it would have taken him that whole week. He's making one piece, but selling it for the same value. So, so you know, which is cool because now, you know, one person owns this nice piece, one person makes it, and uh, it's now a piece of art versus just what they they like to call production. You know. Okay. Do you feel that what we were talking previously about the whole crack stigma? Uh -huh. Do you feel that? Because it is legal, yeah. and it's like not a, a people are, are not reluctant to like go out and search for you know pieces of art, recreational yeah. stuff. Is that you? You feel that's the case? What's driven the price up? Because you know the actual product itself, it's gone in reverse, which I think is kind of fascinating. What you saying? Weed's worth more. What are you saying? No, I'm saying you know the weed itself. Right, you know, the, the price of that is gone in a different direction as opposed to the vessel that you actually use it in. Actually, oh, right? oh, I see. I find I that see, to be great, you know. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna level off eventually. That, okay. You know, quality is quality. So anyone that grows good weed is gonna get paid really good for this it is here very soon. True. You know what I mean? It's just we all want yummy stuff, and we will pay for yummy stuff because. You know, and, and people know, you know what I mean? So that, that'll level off quick. That was just a gigantic flood of basically... The reason why it went down the other way and stuff is because everyone started growing weed. Mostly people that never knew how to do it before. And, 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 and large companies that don't have a uh, quali standard quality, you know what I mean? Quality control. So, you know, they just flooded the market. True, true, For true. a long time. I mean... Well, that brings me to a, that's a fascinating point that I didn't consider when coming up with questions. I mean, you know, that you, you mentioned, you know, some of the uh, larger collectives or, you know, bigger business getting involved yeah. in the actual weed side of things. Mm -hmm. Do you find that actually in the glass as far as, you know, a lot of mass manufacturing or is that not yeah. the case? I mean, honestly, the mass manufacturing is in other countries. China? And yeah. The, here in America, most of the bigger ones are making epic stuff it's like they know that you know they'd rather spend the time teaching someone longer and making better quality stuff and then they get you know everyone gets paid better um, from the top to the bottom but like yeah china india of course you hear you know and they're just uh, it's just you know yeah they try to replicate our stuff for way less and they do a good job of it it's just you know it's in the fine line it's in the fine word that you will see the difference not that they can't do it but there i'm sure there's someone overseeing them saying not to you know what i mean they have maybe a lump amount of time and a lump amount of weight they're allowed to use in the glass you know and their quality control is not quality control it's actually quantity control meaning you have to pump out so much per so much time per so much actual glass involved with making that product versus quality control. They're on a whole different right. scale, you know? So, you know? No, oh, absolutely. Um, no, that's, that, that was fascinating because that's just something I really hadn't considered now when you think about you know, everything else they're involved with. And, you know, you, you, you see it, you know, right? You'll see, uh, yeah, you can get, you know, 20 pipes for you know yeah. 50 bucks or something mm -hmm. like that and, you know but of course the first time you drop one of them they just sure, sure. Do, do yeah you know pieces. like anything right it'll right. get you by uh -huh. it i mean the thing with quantity control and glass once you get into scientific glass meaning anyone watches video you know 
diagnosed with like a lot of the clear stuff that has a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool perks. Like uh, the actual percolation's cool and it's got, you know, different ways of filtering the water. If you don't have good quality control when coming with pieces like that, it will not function that good. You know, if you're just looking for a pipe that has, you know, two or three holes, a bowl, a mouthpiece, and a carb, it really don't matter how not, you know, yeah, it might break, but, you know, you might be able to buy four of them for the price of one. Right. It's your gravy, but when it comes to the fancier stuff, you really need it to be well-made or else it's just not going to perform like it, you know, it's supposed to. Yeah, okay, so, and we'll wrap this segment up, but we'll do, we'll do one last one after this. But let me wrap it up with you, just, you know, kind of pointed me into a great direction. I guess I was thinking about this question all along. So... Where does your inspiration come with, for, from when designing and actually executing a class project? Ooh, I think about this quite often, too. Um, I'd say most of my expression in my pieces come from the color. Really? Yeah, somewhat the shape, of course, mm -hmm. but a lot the color patterns. Um, and that would be the mood that I'm feeling or the mood I'm trying to set. Um, I try to stick away now very popular people use to use a lot of bright colors um, you know reds and blues and it was a little too I guess you'd say cartoony for me now I like to use a lot of neutrals black silver white you know uh, contemporary colors something that's not blast you away but it's kind of something you can have in the room that you know kind of blends well with the rest of the furniture um but uh yeah the um i guess my inspiration would be i mean life itself man every day okay you know uh, that's what's so cool about glass you could feel a certain feeling you can go in there and you can make that piece that day and it's done and there is your expression the color the shape what you chose there you know and then you have like a visual representation of the feeling you felt that day for the rest of your life until you break that piece. Um, do you get a lot of you? Do you get people with their with their inspirations or their or what's going on in their minds giving you suggestions? Yeah, we'll do another name drop. Cowboy Glass. Cowboy Glass, okay. Well known here in Eugene. Eugene, um, folks. Cowboy I'm Glass. Partially moved up here because of this guy. Phenomenal person. And I will say, in all the people I've met, I haven't seen someone's glass that expressed, was so well expressed, his personality through the glass. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I kind of would stick around him and I could see... You know, it's just really good. You know an artist is connected with what he's making when you can actually pick up a piece and kind of, like, understand the vibe that person was going through when they made it. Um, and so, yeah, his shapes have helped me a lot. Aside from Dale, just, like, seeing Cowboy's shapes and his color palette and just, honestly, the way he lives life. It's a huge thing. It's not just about what people can do with their hands. People don't realize that art comes from the heart and the soul. And, um... It's more than just... It really you know, is, dude. Somebody with their little cosplay yeah. idea that they've on a cartoon book, they've been, right. you know, hey, can you make this right, what we do? Right, right, right. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, 
the life these people live, it's like that is art in its own. So, hanging out with him was really cool because, you know, he, yeah, he lives up to his name. Let's just say that. He is a okay. true cowboy. A true cowboy. Yeah. Okay, folks. Cowboy class. Mm-hmm. Dropping that for you. All right, folks. We will going to take ourselves another break and we'll come back for the final segment. All righty then. Yeah, it was really fun talking to Jeff. Uh, I learned a lot. You know, certain things that you take for granted as far as that particular industry is concerned or art form. I guess it could be a little bit of both. All right, folks. Justin, you know, as always, dropping a plug for the other podcast, which should probably come out on Wednesday. Right now I'm doing this on a Monday. Probably try to get this out this evening. As I've said, we've got some wonderful guests coming up. Just a matter of getting them in the same room. Getting to, yeah, during a pandemic, getting together with people, especially with the numbers spiking in the way they have been here in Eugene and Lane County. People are wary, especially the folks that have got families, special someones, and all that other stuff. We're getting there. 2020 has been cool, but 2021 is going to be a heck of a lot better. But um, as we say, you know, adventures and high fidelity content. It's all coming. All right. We'll be back momentarily. Welcome back. Fox trotting in a foxhole. The scene. Season one, episode two. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan here, with our intermittent exploration into the local arts and whatever else scene here in Eugene and beyond. As I've said before, uh, as time rolls on, you'll start seeing more episodes. Every Wednesday, check out the other podcast if you're a big sports junkie. By the way, for all, before I forget, always going to give out the shout-out to www.purpleplanet.com for the wonderful theme song. Really appreciate that they provide music and other uh, tools for podcasters and filmmakers here on tight budgets. Fantastic stuff, which, you know, obviously trying to get copyright clearance. Ha! <laughs> When you're a small fry like myself, not going to happen. So we really appreciate the folks at purpleplanet.com for that. Anyhow, coming up this week, we've got another episode rolling out of the regular podcast in two days. A lot going on there with the COVID chronicles and what's going on on campus and NFL recaps and all the other stuff. I hope to have the next podcast of the scene, episode three, out before the year is over. By the way, happy holidays, folks. I forgot, you know, it's like, what's today? Uh, December 21st when we're putting this episode together. Happy holidays to everyone that listens to the show and everyone that's connected to anyone that's listening to the show. Fantastic stuff. Hope it's all safe. Definitely social distance. Don't do anything stupid at this point as we get closer to getting the vaccine rolled out to the uh, public. 
You want to all get back to uh, having some fun and being able to do some cool interviews in some great locations. Just got ourselves a new uh, mobile setup that's better than the one we were using previously. So that'll definitely help us get more episodes out of the scene. Alrighty, so let's get back to our final segment with Jeff Green of Jeff Green Glass. Alrighty, we're back for another segment with Jeff Green of Jeff Green Glass. And uh, now we are drinking ourselves, what is it called, a drink? Yeah, orange drink. Orange drink. So this is like an orange-looking beer, like look like a Fanta, folks, where even Orange Julius kind of stick to it, folks. And a few old-school folks remember going to the mall and doing some Orange Julius. So meanwhile, as, as he's making his adjustments, I'm tell you folks to, to keep an eye out for episodes of the, of the scene and also on, on Wednesdays, our regular podcast, Fox Trotting in the Foxhole as we wrap up season one as far as that goes. But all right then, let's get back to talking to Jeff Green of Jeff Green Glass. So I guess, you know, COVID has its impro everything, obviously. Mm. Um, with COVID cutting down the number of interactions people are having, right? So, you know, no concerts, mm -hmm. obviously the dispensaries are still open. How are you getting the word out in a world where we're not really hanging out as far as your, you know, what you do in your in your artwork and your glass and all that stuff? Well, of course, Instagram is a good platform, okay. and I will say that if anyone wants to buy new glass and they're wondering, let's listen to this podcast where to find cool glass, not having to go to the stores because some towns don't have stores that keep cool heady glass. Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's berserk, you know what I mean? Uh, you can usually order, uh, you know, directly through a lot of the blowers, or you could, like, just research what you like. Um, I found with the Instagram, since I had a pretty good platform, I think when Instagram started, I had about 7,000 followers. Really? Yeah. And after Instagram, uh, after Corona started, within about a month, I had 8,000. Because in the first six weeks of Corona, no one was doing nothing but sitting on their butts, and checking out pretty much Instagram. I swear, I, my my likes quadrupled, you know? People were really, you know, you even saw it on the news, you know, everyone, you know, the social media had its renaissance, you know, during Corona, the first Corona hit. But uh, then it kind of died down, you know, people got fed up or went outside, I don't know what they did, but, uh, and then also, of course, I distribute my glass even through Corona because I have establish myself through you know friends and stores um again you know corona gave a lot of stores chance to kind of uh i don't know so when you say stores like the like the local shops straight like brick and mortar stores all across the united states right across the united states most of the united you, states you, some you out of this okay. country but mostly here uh that you know this gave them a chance to just like re you know rewrite themselves or whatever so like i got a lot of orders once the stores were open for people to come in again the glass shops i got like a huge wave of orders you know 
for expectation of people coming in. They want to need fresh stuff. So, you know, everyone's stuck at home. They come into their normal store. They've been in a hundred times. Like, oh, what's that, you know? So a lot of stores wanted to buy new stuff then. And then, uh, so yeah, usually social media and then just having established, you know, buyers that like your stuff. So, I mean, like in the past, it's like always been like trade shows. Oh, yeah. It's always yes. been like a lot, you know, when mm -hmm. we're talking right, about right. fish, pan. For sure, you know, for sure. Dead Company, Bisco, whatever. Mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. in terms of the way, you know, yeah. you can always get of your. Of course. Country Fair. Country Fair, right? So in 2020, with all of those off the table, yeah. does that make, have you had to be like more well, aggressive than usual and be more <laughs> adaptive? I should say. I, I think it's just a, not for me. I think it's the stage of the glass blower. If you're beginning, your name's not out there. This would have hurt you, you know. Because yeah, right. again, you need every opportunity to seize every show you can get out, and you know it's going to help you. But luckily for me, I have been around long enough. You know, over a decade, you start to then develop good relationships and people you know trust your crafts you know you know your art that it's not going to break or whatever so no that didn't affect me honestly personally to the slightest i was lucky i'm one of the few i guess that no right so you got so you you obviously got like a huge break because it, let me just kind of i don't even know but at least here in oregon like weed sales doubled during corona oh, totally. doubled so, you know, and what are you going to smoke that weed out of? A fucking pipe. So, that, you should just look at that, too. That puts it in perspective, you know. Right. If you're a pipe maker and people are smoking double the weed, you're doing pretty good if you're in the right place at the right time. And, um, do you ever get hits from dispensaries or do you Yeah, I wish. Most dispensaries don't have any glass. And I understand. I mean, that's not their market. Right. You know, they and want to own. Stuff they want to have stuff that you could just grab right. that you know. Like we were saying earlier, that'll last. You can break. Mm -hmm. You're more about the product you're smoking out of than the actual piece. But, um, yeah, there have been a couple, but they're more boutique. You know. Right. Um, and some my 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 favorite idea, and I've seen it work really well, is you get a dispensary back, especially like when Oakland first started in dispensaries about 15 years ago where people could smoke they have rooms for smoking and yeah, the yeah. whole thing too is then they have maybe a dozen or so or maybe more heady pieces there to use you get me so that's the lure too not only do you get your product and get a smoke it there you get to use pieces that you would never maybe purchase yourself it's that man that's cool you know what i'm saying they kind of like let you use it as you buy their product as you buy their pot you get a smoke out of their nice pieces Right. Versus just buying them, you know what I mean? They're just more just like there to be used. Yeah, well, I always kind of thought you'd see more of that when, uh, you know, pot became legal. Well, you see, see more of that model. Look, look, look. When Oakland was a pioneer, I don't know if you know the dispensary and the whole, totally. I don't remember, Oaksterdam. Oaksterdam. They literally exactly. had brochures in town, people come from other countries doing tours of Oaksterdam. Like, I mean, they sold that. It was huge. And um, when they passed their laws for the bigger dispensaries in the whole entire United States, there in Oakland, two, one of the requis requisites was that they had to have a place for people to smoke. And these smoking rooms were not small and ghetto. These were full screen TV to watch. They had juice bar. They had a coffee shop. You know what I mean? These were real recreational places 
for people to use. They also, which was also tied in with the law, had to have stuff that they get back to the community, like yoga. You know, this is all done in this the same giant building as the dispensary. Yoga, um, nutritional teaching, stuff like that. Where, and of course, big money took over, and now it's just you know a pot shop. You know, any space that they have is used to like you know just make money. There's no like you know community. Right. But you know the, yeah. that's the laws being made. That's not really just the shop. You know, if the laws say you have to, then you have to. But. uh I guess I think that's how Oakland got their foot in the door when, when this stuff was kind of breaking ice at the time. No, you're you know? right, and I can definitely say that uh, I used to go, before it was legal here in Oregon. I could go out to Colorado a lot for the music mm. and for other things, but that was sort of like the uh, difference between a ghetto fly-by-night shop versus some of the quality because the, the quality oh, yeah. shops. You know, took the experience in the heart. It's like, hey, sure. I want you to come in here. I want you to enjoy. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's so much bigger than just like people think, you know, just getting high. Like, think about beer. I mean, that's so much more accepted. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about like, you know, you're sitting at home. It's also, you know, having beer at the game with your friends or like, it's about the, you know, the community that sure. brings, that comes with the actual buzz that right. you're, you know, creating. So, you know, I wish all shops were like that. I wish that's how it really should be, you know? Teach about the medicine that you're pushing, not just fucking push for money, you know? But teach about, uh, you know, how to prepare it, how to grow it yourself, how to treat people when you're high, you know? I mean... For, uh, so let me ask you this, then, as um, I love to take these little left turns. What kind of advice would you have for someone that's just starting out or interested in pursuing this craft? Okay. I would say... Start off small. Start off small. You know, um, you can melt glass with a cheap torch. You can... You don't need a big kiln. Basically, you can look stuff up on tutorials on YouTube you know, for teaching for beginners because it's so foreign at first. Um, so basically, anyone that wants to start listening to this, you don't need a kiln. Just get a box with vermiculite. Anything that you're going to make in the first year, you can just jam down deep in the vermiculite and it'll cool down without cracking. So that saves you $1,000. Get a cheap torch for, you know, 400 bucks, um, And some, some rod and then start messing around. Um, I'm saying to anyone else that wants to get better, find someone else that blows glass and do things for them that they don't want to do. Basically, be an apprentice, you know? It's going to get you further away faster. They don't, you know, go there and don't say, teach me. Say, hey, I'll sweep your floor. I'll do anything you don't want, you know? And then they'll teach you. And it's like light years between just teaching yourself. Because that's yeah. so. Yeah. Right. I'm sure there are plenty of opportunities. Oh, yeah. Especially here. If you're listening to this video, you're in Eugene. There are plenty of guys that will show you stuff if you just actually, you know, help them out a little bit. Oh, that's great. All right, so we'll get you out of here. We'll get you out of here on this question. This. Okay, obviously, because we talk, you know, talked a lot about COVID in this particular segment. How do you see this craft evolving? You know, now, because this is what was the new normal 
hasn't been defined yet, but we're obviously in mm. entering a new realm of how things are being done as yeah. we get past this and the vaccines out there. How do you see this particular craft and industry that you're part of evolving? I mean, glass is great because it's so sterile. People are afraid. That's what Corona, right? Mm -hmm. Germs. Mm -hmm. So pipe in a boiling water. It's Pyrex. Clean it. Dump alcohol in it. Clean it. You know what I mean? So it isn't going to get too affected by this because it already is such a sterile product. It's not like wood that just absorbs bacteria. Glass can be sterilized in like seconds. So... It's not going to be too affected. Uh, I think it's just going to grow on the momentum it already had. Um, I know a lot of glass blowers are even getting better because there's nothing else to do but work. So they're at home just, you know, creating new ideas and new techniques. So you see, uh, I guess, I guess this, let me see, how do I phrase this? You know, we've touched on, you know, the more arty aspect of it. Do you think that becomes more prevalent as opposed to, you know, something? Just the whole process of because you know China obviously. Oh oh yeah. In like oh the production yeah can, yeah no um. <laughs> it's gonna become more art until it's bonkers and maybe someday. I can't see it popping, but uh, just honestly because, I mean we know weed's legal. It's here to stay. It will for our children and their children. It'll be as common as beer. So, you know, um, the art's just going to just come along with it. Um, you know, there's room for both. Let's just say that. Do you, do you see the, uh, the one thing I guess I was going to ask you earlier, I kind of forgot. I guess I'll squeeze this in here. You know, we know about Oregon, obviously, Eugene in particular. Do you know about this art and industry in the other places like the South, the Northeast, the Midwest? Or glass? Yeah. Oh, it's sprinkled everywhere. 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 I mean, they're having, like, you know, Canada's having flame-offs. Europe's having flame-offs. You know what I mean? Flame-offs are, like, we're, like, basically artists get together that are well-known and uh -huh. maybe collab on something extravagant or compete on extravagant pieces. But it's, like, it's an exhibit of how good they can, you know... Well, so glass. compete, you say, like, like competition. Yeah, they'll compete. They'll make something super amazing in a certain amount of time. People will judge it, and they'll win a prize. You know what I mean? And they get the recognition and the trophy, and, you know, just like any other sport or, uh -huh. you know. See, I didn't even know that part. Yeah, so it's amazing, that. you know, and it's really cool. It's a good way to get people together and get hyped up for a weekend, you know. And, uh, you know, but... Um, <laughs> So are, are, are these are, are these at like high times like festivals or are these well the biggest one that I was here it was in Eugene it was called the DFO degenerate flame off really? one year after year after year down in the Whitaker okay run by this store called the Cornerstone which is now like a tailgate beer yeah. thing but that was the Cornerstone was created and then they kept the name that was for glass. And the okay. Whitaker was just the cornerstone of the glass blowing right there. That's, you know, and uh, that was epic. And uh, it's no longer there, but uh, the DFO is still here in Oregon. Now it's around Portland somewhere uh, close by to Portland. But, uh, no, the competitions are all over the United States, and it's sprinkled everywhere. 
Iowa. I mean, the East Coast, you know, will talk their game. I mean, I'm going to say it here on Ken. This is a West Coast thing. This is a West Coast thing, people. <laughs> so, uh, wow. Well, all right, then. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on the show. Really appreciate that. And I'm sure it's going to be really informative to folks who actually tune into this. And maybe they will spread the word. Come in, buy some stuff from all the wonderful artisans in this town doing this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, really appreciate you coming on here. Uh, definitely the Fruity Beers. We're watching uh, the Pac-12 championship here with uh, the, the Ducks beating the Trojans 28-14, which, <clears throat> yeah, folks, and I'm sure that on Friday night, a lot of wonderful stuff going on here. Anyhow, we will uh, talk to you shortly, and again, and be well, be well. Thanks, Jeff. All right. All right, that was a lot of fun. Really appreciate Jeff taking the time to come on the podcast and tell us about the craft of glass blowing. As I've said, uh, we're going to have some more interesting guests on this show to see. I would love to see it come out as regular as our other podcast, the sports uh, orientated one, but it's a lot easier to put that together. It's just me and usually, you know, doing interviews with people over the phone and stuff like that, as opposed to actually getting somebody's time and, in Jeff's case, inviting me to his house, providing incredible <laughs> refreshments and things like that. Anyhow, it was a lot of fun. Check out his Instagram page, Jeff Greenglass. Support uh, the other folks that are doing this craft as well, if you can, if that's something you're into. Really appreciate it. As you can see, that we uh, take on all kinds of subjects. If you have any ideas, feedback, or you definitely want to come here and talk about what you do, we're more than welcome. Just drop me a line at ftinfx at g. <laughs> Wait a minute, that'd be too much fun here. Ftinfx at gmail.com. On Facebook, like our page, Fox Trotting in a Foxhole. Send me a text, give me a call, you know, whatever the case may be. But I definitely encourage folks who may feel they have something they want to talk about to come on the show. Either one. All right, folks, as usual, you know, mask up, social distance, sanitize. Don't do anything silly that's going to get you sick. COVID's spreading all over the place. One of my favorite places just had a little bit of a... I don't want to say an outbreak, but some people contracted it down there. It's everywhere. Be safe. Please have a safe and enjoyable holiday. And we'll be talking to you soon enough. Until then, peace out.